Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hej och hjärtligt välkomna till Travel News Podcast. I den här podcasten så intervjuar vi kändisar och makthavare i reseindustrin. Och idag har jag träffat Mohammed som är Nordenchef på Singapore Airlines. Han berättar varför bolaget gjorde en rekordvinst senast. Varför man föredrar att flyga från Kastrup och inte från Stockholm till Singapore. Och framtidsplaner, vad ska de göra? Jo, de ska naturligtvis köpa ungefär 100 flygplan till. Nu får du veta allt om hur det funkar att flyga driva ett flygbolag i Asien. Jag sitter här på ett PA-kontor på Östermalm i Stockholm med Singapore Airlines Nordenchef. Och vi börjar väl med den mest vettiga frågan. Who are you and what's your title? Hi, yeah, uh, I'm uh, Mohamed Raimi. I'm uh, from Singapore and uh, my title here is General Manager of Nordics for Singapore Airlines. I'm based in Copenhagen. I've been there since August of 2021. Uh, I've about almost 10 years of experience in the company. So I started out uh, as a network planning uh, analyst for Singapore Airlines, meaning deep, uh, you know analyzing the routes and uh, the planes uh, for uh, fleet requirements for Singapore Airlines. And then I moved on to uh, India, where I was based there for four years uh, in Chennai. And then subsequently, here I am uh, in Copenhagen. Yeah. Okay, okay. And how many are you flying from Copenhagen to Singapore? How many times and what kind of airplane? Uh, so we are flying five times weekly from uh, Copenhagen, uh, Kastrup, and uh, we are flying the A350-900 with about 253 seats uh, on board the aircraft. Yeah. And how many people is normally on the plane? Is it the, at the cabin, the cabin factor? Yeah. So c- currently in the in the in the last uh, c- maybe one year or so, it's probably around 88 uh, percent load factor. Uh, usually very full in all cabin classes uh, at different times of the year. And of course, um, you know the peak period travel is almost in, almost impossible to get a seat. <laughs> yeah. What are you competing with? Is it price or is it comfort or is it both price and comfort? And uh, why should people choose Singapore? Um, for example, not Emirates or, or Turkish. Uh, what's your selling points? Yeah. I think firstly, we have the SIA brand promise that we um, we don't necessarily compete on price, but we compete. We, we basically we ensure that we have uh, we serve our brand promise, which is firstly, which is the um, product uh, product leadership, whereby we have we have the best in class product. We try to have the best uh, you know seats, the best cabin crew, and so on. Service uh, is another one, another another thing that we are very well known for. I think recently we also we was the best cabin crew uh, for the Skytrax award. And lastly, is network connectivity. So as an international airline, network connectivity is very important. So you must. So we are based and our hub is in Singapore. We ensure that we have the connectivity for especially Nordic travelers to travel into many different destinations in Southeast Asia and in uh, Southwest Pacific, Australia and New Zealand. And why don't you fly from Stockholm? Uh, so we flew from Stockholm, uh, Arlanda, uh, back 
pre-pandemic and there was uh, back in 2019, 2020, uh, we flew via Moscow, uh, one stop in Moscow before flying on to Singapore. But of course, the now is uh, not possible to do so because of known reasons. And I think there's also the, uh, I guess, issue of the economic viability of the flight because of the airspace closure and, uh, and everything in, that's happening in, uh, in Ukraine. And finally, we also have a very strong partnership with SAS, who is feeding into our hub, uh, especially travellers from Sweden into our uh, operations in Copenhagen to Singapore. We'll get back to SAS. Yeah. Uh, Singapore Airline, uh, you're doing a lot of money uh, last uh, year. Uh, why are you making so much money? Um, yes, so we had uh, released a very good result, financial result, and I'm going to speak a bit here, not particularly about the result but what led to the result and I think this all started uh, during the pandemic itself. So when the pandemic happened, I think we as an international airline without any domestic uh, uh, destinations or routes, uh, we are entirely reliant on borders opening on different countries, you know, allowing us to fly, carrying passengers. So without that, we were at our lowest point around April and May of 2020, where we flew only 3% of our capacity. Uh, but I guess there was a lot of uh, foresight, a lot of uh, strategic driven uh, decisions to ensure that we remain a airline, a viable airline. So one of the first thing that, of course, I think every airline was looking for at uh, back in 2020 when the pandemic first hit was how do you get enough liquidity, enough cash to sustain the operations. And one of the first thing was done was to raise uh, bonds, rights issue and so on, raise many different modes of, uh, of liquidity and to the tune of a hundred, uh, almost uh, probably in Swedish crown, you'll probably about 140 to 150 uh, billion Swedish crown that we raised in, in liquidity. So armed with that, we are able to invest and we are able to continue our operation. We're Sorry, able where to, did that money come from? Uh, from rights issue, from sales and lease back, from uh, issuing mandatory convertible bonds. So there's many, many different sources of funding uh, that comes from. So a lot of it comes from our shareholders uh, who are public shareholders because we are a publicly listed airline on the Singapore Stock Exchange. So all that money, armed with all that money, we are able to be confident that we can remain and survive as an airline and we continue to invest for the future. So even during the pandemic, we decided to, for example, refurbish our launch in Singapore. Uh, we also decided to continue on with our retrofit program for our A380s, the suites, especially the new suites, and also to retrofit our B737 aircraft with full flat, uh, full flat uh, lie uh, seats uh, on our narrow body aircraft. So we continue to do that and at the same time, the second thing that we did was to keep our people as much as possible together. So while there was still a retrenchment that happened, which was a painful exercise, we kept a lot of our cabin crew, a lot of our pilots, not necessarily through flying. At one point in time, we, we outsourced in a sense, to many different industries that require it. So in Singapore, there's a requirement for uh, those in the healthcare sector, for example, because there was a shortage for people to manage uh, the quarantine facilities or to be COVID swabbers. So a lot of our cabin crew and our pilots were outsourced to those to that industry, particular industry that requires it, while at the same time still remain on our books to be so that we can recall them as soon as possible uh, when flying comes back. And the third thing that we do is to keep everybody 
ready for the restart. So what we did while we did store aircraft, uh, as many airlines do, uh, we kept a lot of them flying still. We kept a lot of our cabin crew flying. We kept a lot of our pilots flying so that they are very, uh, in a sense, recent uh, in their in their, you know, their processes and everything. So while we are only operating, say, single digit of our capacity, uh, more than 50% of our cabin crew and our pilots were still flying at that point of time, even though at a lower utilization. But at the same time, it allows them to be trained. And when travel restart, we do not have to really train them again because they are continually being refreshed with new processes and so on during the pandemic. So these three things allow us to rebound quickly than most other airlines. So we were kind of like first of the blocks when travel reopens. So if you recall, I think in... Uh, uh, back in 2021, I think Europe was more or less uh, reopened. Travel between Europe was reopened, but in Asia Pacific was closed. So when we had the aircraft, we had the pilots, we had the cabin crew. So we started a route out of Copenhagen, not, not just between Singapore and Copenhagen, but between Copenhagen and Rome, just because we can carry fifth-freedom traffic between the, the two countries, two destinations. So not only that, we also, just prior to that, we operated our aircraft, uh, passenger aircraft, just primarily carrying cargo, which continued the air links and the trade links between Denmark and Singapore and as well as beyond. So we were ready, we were prepared, we were first off the block, so we could capture the pent-up demand, while many many uh, our competitors were still trying to ramp up. We were already there. Yeah. Okay, and the result, uh, how good was it? It was the best in our 76-year history of, uh, of Singapore Airlines. So you can say that it was, it was really very good. I mean, and it's not only, uh, there's a lot of records in it. Uh, it's record profit, of course, uh, but we also achieved record load factor. Uh, we also achieved record uh, net profit and we also achieved record revenue per ASK. So, a lot of the records, all these led to a very good set of results for us in the last financial year. Do you think this is a period or this is a big change in the aircraft industry that the profits are going to remain high? Today we heard about Ryanair making a lot of money as well. Do you think this is a big trend or this is a one year super experience and then it will go back to like tougher times? I think there's a there's a lot of uh, factors that will lead to uh, dampened, I guess, use. For example, because as more and more com of our competitors ramp up their capacity, uh, not just to the Nordics but to elsewhere around the world as well. You expect to have the softening of the yields. You expect not to be able to command the fares that, that, that we were commanding before. Um, so that is expected. And at the same time, I think inflation with, uh, I mean, almost every, everywhere in every country, that would lead to, of course, our cost rising as well uh, moving forward. So it's uh, while, of course, we would strive to maintain the profit or to bet be even better than this, but we have to understand that I think the macroeconomic environment is also not very favorable. I think, of course, the war as well is also is also putting an impact, especially to our flying route. For example, in our Copenhagen to Singapore route, I think the flying time has also increased. Uh, in a sense. And of course, with flying time increased, you have more fuel burn and so on. So a lot of these factors coming in together, you have your weakening cargo demand because of, you know, uh, uh, that, I mean, of course, there's talk about, about uh, recession coming soon as well. So all these things, I think it's a lot of very... Uh, dark clouds ahead. Uh, but at the same time, 
we do see very very good demand in the coming six seven months or so and especially as well in the winter peak as well so we see a lot of demand coming in we see a lot of people are booking early so we see very good uh, high advanced load factors for our flights so we are confident that while there are uh, you know dark clouds in the horizon still there are very very good uh, you know sprouts in a sense for, for for demand on the demand side of things you're competing long haul uh, with Emirates and with Qatar Airways and Turkish Airways. Uh, what you describe the situation between them? Uh, will all of them stay strong or will there be new low price carriers? What, what will happen in that long haul market from Nordic to and also Europe to Asia? I think the long haul market has been very resilient. There's a lot of talk whereby, you know, uh, after the pandemic, people are not traveling again or won't travel. Maybe business or corporate travel will not come back. But I think it, uh, what we have seen from the results of the of the Middle East carriers or for, for Turkish Airlines, for us Singapore Airlines, is that the long haul market has been very resilient. People are still willing to travel. People want to travel, uh, not just for leisure, but also for the corporate market. So because we see a very, very good demand for our business class cabin, not specifically just only from the from the business travelers, but also from people traveling leisure uh, because people appreciate or start to appreciate the comfort, the space, the exclusivity of the of the business class cabin as well. So, a lot. I mean, while uh, you know we are competing with, with with the Middle East carriers and and all, there is room for everyone to play in this market. And I think that competition is always good. And I think competition also allows us to strive to be better uh, than what we are now. And with competition, I think we is always uh, something that we we look we we look forward to, and we will always continue to improve. And of course, uh, we hope that we will serve our customers the best as we can. I mean, as compared to all, all the other carriers, but. I'm unable to comment on specifically their their service, their connectivity and all that. But I think we focus on ourselves, we focus on our customers, we focus on what the customers want. And that's where I think our biggest uh, you know, uh, differentiating factor is. Uh, we, I spoke with the CEO of SAS uh, some weeks ago and he said now is the time to consolidate the European uh, air market. Uh, what do you think will happen in that question? Um, I think in terms of consolidation, uh, consolidation, I think that that happens in many mature markets around the world. So, what specifically will happen to European, uh, you know, the European carriers? Uh, you also do see certain form of consolidation, uh, consolidation, especially after or rather during the pandemic itself, when uh, certain carriers went down, and then after that, there are certain uh, acquisitions here and there. So that would that would I guess continue to happen. But at the same time, I think we are focused and that we uh, want to continue. Working with SAS as a as a uh, especially for interest Scandinavian travel to fit into our Copenhagen hub, and we believe that SAS has been a very good partner and will always continue to be moving forward. Uh, been looking at their. Uh, our operations here, uh, it has not it has not been really interrupted, even though they are in uh, Chapter Seven uh, bankruptcy proceedings. But uh, we have very good uh, cooperation with SAS, very good uh, coordination, especially on our schedules and on our on our uh, uh, especially for the corporate market here in in Scandinavia. So we will continue to work with them on that. Uh, in terms of consideration, any. Consideration moving forward, move uh, further between any other carriers. I think for that, I'm not able to comment on anything. I think, but it, as you can see, in many mature market, that does happen uh, from time to time. 
But do you think that, for example, if there were like the big free networks in in Europe, I think in IAG, Lufthansa, and um, Air France, KLM, do you think they will like take parts of a long haul market that you have together with SIS today? Uh, do you mean taking taking the long haul market share from the from yes, the KLM? Yes, yes. Now the long haul you. SIS supplies it with long-haul customers. In a consolidation market, uh, the need of you is not as good if you could, for example, fly with Lufthansa. Do you understand what I'm... Yeah, but I think uh, in in any, for any airline carrier, I think partnership is very, very important, especially for us to go into white spots or areas or destinations where we don't operate to. So regardless, I think for the Air France and KLMs, for the Lufthansa, for IAG, uh, I mean they don't have the aircraft that reaches uh, maybe Australia and New Zealand, for example. I mean, you have, like, for example, BA flies to Australia via Singapore. So you need to have, con- we need to have partners in every part of the world to continue to have, uh, to have a good feed onto the flights or onto the flights that we operate. So that's what SCS gives us. And I think that if you look at the uh, flying time between, say, Stockholm to Singapore, I think we have a very competitive flight time, even if you compare it to any other uh, long-haul carrier, for example. Uh, our flight time, especially also from North Oslo as well, they are very, very competitive uh, with the short uh, connecting time in Copenhagen and then onward to Singapore, the flight time to Singapore. So. In a way, while we welcome, as I said, the, the long-haul competitors, I think at the same time we focus on our network, we focus on giving uh, our passengers the best connectivity out of the Nordics to Singapore and beyond. Do you think uh, long haul uh, to Asia from the Nordic and especially Stockholm and Helsingfors, uh, will it ever recover even though there will be peace in, in uh, Russia and Ukraine? What do you see in a long perspective? Yeah. I think it will always, I think travel will, will recover. I think people would would have that need or that want to travel uh, for leisure, for corporate, uh, for, for business and all that. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's a matter of having the right uh, capacity that is, in, that is in the market. So, so for us, with SAS having multiple frequencies to, to feed our flight in, uh, in Copenhagen, I think for now that is sufficient. Uh, not only that, we also have a cooperation with SAS to feed onto our flights in London as well, Heathrow. So that allows that connectivity uh, uh, with four flights out of London that we have, not just the, the morning flights, but also we have night flights that connect to, that reaches Singapore in the late afternoon to early evening. So that that allows us to to capture the market demand out of here and i think um it it will it it has more or less recovered to to uh the the, the whole market from from sweden to to southeast asia and to southwest back but whether there is a uh, room for more growth yes i think with a population a very big population of i think 10 15 million here in in, in sweden there's always that potential to be tapped there's always that uh, people that are willing to travel new new growth markets in in many different parts of, uh, of sweden to grow yeah i will ask in a we'll change 
I will ask about Asia. How is like uh, how is it in Asia? Uh, is uh, is the recovery is is there more capacity coming on, or what do you think uh, about the development in Asia, especially if you're part of of Asia? So I guess here you're talking about Southeast Asia. So Southeast Asia, of course, we have I mean us Singapore, which is uh, Singapore Airlines, which is based in Singapore. We have our uh, neighbors of Malaysia and Indonesia. Garuda, I think, is only operating uh, to M. Amsterdam right now from from Jakarta and of course Malaysian Airlines uh, but what we see is that there is as I mentioned just now in, earlier in the podcast is that there is a lot more partnership that is going on so for us Singapore Airlines we have signed a, under, a memorandum of understanding and MOU or a partnership with Garuda with Malaysian Airlines with Thai Airways so what we see is that there is a so-called uh, more cooperation between the airlines because each of us are competing on the long-haul market but at the same time each of us have complementary networks as well uh, that allows us to to grow individually as an airline so that's where uh, moving forward what we see in the Southeast Asia market which is why we have gone on during the pandemic to deepen our cooperation with our with the airlines that is deemed as our competitors in Southeast Asia itself so the Thai Airways Malaysian Airlines and Garuda where we have signed uh, many different forms of agreement and cooperation within the last couple of years. Yeah. So there will be a consolidation in that market as well, or you will just be colleagues? Yeah. I wouldn't say consolidation because I think when we sign a, a, a partnership or a collaboration, it's more of working together to be complementary, to allow each other to access each other's network, to be able to grow ourselves organically. So for us, for, for Singapore Airlines, we want to have our uh, hub in Singapore grow, especially and to grow to more long-haul markets out of Singapore. And with the partnerships that we have from Garuda, from Malaysia Airlines and from Thai Airways, that will allow us to grow even further uh, for our long-haul market. Yeah. Uh, have I forgotten anything uh, to ask that I should have asked? Well, I'm not sure. Because you, yeah, you may have forgotten to ask a few things, but I think uh, for Singapore Airlines, I think we we have our, our as I said our brand promise. I think if you look at the at the long term, we are planning for the long term uh, fleet requirement. I think that was uh, one thing that uh, sorry I forgot that yeah. one. Yeah. So you you have like one hundred ninety planes today. Yes, we have one hundred and ninety five uh, aircraft today between our uh, full service carrier uh, Singapore Airlines, Scoot as well as well as our cargo uh, Singapore uh, the, our cargo division so and we have a hundred aircraft on order and I think which I can just fo- guess your your second part of the question is uh, uh, what aircraft do we have on order and whether I think that is sufficient to meet our future network requirement I think for now we have as I said, 100 aircraft on order and that is a mix of uh, narrow body and wide body aircraft. I think recently we have rejected our order uh, order books to have uh, less 737s. We converted some 787-9 to 787-10 which is a bigger aircraft. At the same time, Scoot, our low cost uh, subsidiary, they have also this uh, leased uh, 9 Embraer aircraft uh, which will allow us to serve very thin routes within Southeast Asia 
to fit into the Singapore hub. So our intention is clear. We want to position ourselves as the network carrier in Southeast Asia to be able to uh, capture the growth that is coming out of the of the uh, of the Southeast Asia market to fit into our long haul, where the full service carrier can then grow further. Yeah, in many different markets. So you're most into Boeing, or you have both Airbus and Boeing. We have both aircraft and Boeing, and I think that when we do, we have a very competitive RFQ whenever we decide to do a fleet purchase, and it's based on our requirements at that point of time. So if uh, whether we need a denser aircraft, whether we need a narrow body, a wide body, or whether whether we need something that is complementary to our network, and also of course you take into account pilot training, so on and so forth. So a lot of factors come into play, and we have a very good mix, almost an even mix of Boeing and Airbus aircraft in our fleet. Uh, and as I also said, now we are introducing the Embraer aircraft into our fleet, uh, in, especially into the Scoot fleet. So we have three uh, aircraft um, manufacturers, and Embraer is the f- will be that will be the first their first presence in Southeast Asia. So we are open to 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 you know to move away from from uh, uh, to look at different different uh, options that we have. But of course, the main bulk of our fleet will still remain as Boeing or an Airbus aircraft. Yeah. Okay. Have I forgotten something more? <laughs> I'm, again, I'm not so sure whether you have forgotten anything more, but I think I've almost covered as much as I can. Uh, if you have anything of your, you know, to mind or anything, I will. I, I will just say thank you very much for your time and be very interesting listening to you. And I think the readers or travel news also think so. So thank you very much. Yes, thank you very much for having me. Ja, det var Singapore Airlines Norden chef som berättade detta. Jag heter Viggo Kavling och jag är chefredaktör på Travelius. Jag blir jätteglad om du skaffar Travelius Premium. Du vet väl att kunskap är allt när man ska fatta beslut och på Travelius Premium finns det unik kunskap om resindustrin, dina konkurrenter, dina chefer. De läser redan Premium men du har det inte. Gå till chefen och klaga eller gå in själv och köp och är du missnöjd med priset då bara hör av dig till mig, skicka ett mejl så kommer vi överens om ett pris som känns bra för dig. Prenumerera på Travelnews podcast så får du genast veta när vi har något nytt på gång och gå gärna bak till systemet och lyssna på intervjuer med kändisar och makthavare resindustrin bakåt. Det finns hur mycket som helst att lyssna på. Gör det och ha en fortsatt bra dag. Tack så mycket! Hej! Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.